Welcome back to the program. Just as we demand a lot from our political leaders today, we demand a lot from CEOs. Even if they're not founders, they need to be telegenic, charismatic, visionary, have a detailed plan and adept at working the politics of the boardroom. They need to be comfortable in being part of the 1%, have media coaches and PR people, and be on a short leash that goes from quarter to quarter. Today, a few star CEOs rise to that definition. People like Jamie Dimon, Tim Cook, Alan Mulally, and Jeffrey Imhilt, and Marissa Meyer. Perhaps of all these, Meyer came to her job with the least preparation and some of the highest expectations. Perhaps that's why large parts of the public are fascinated by her every move, from fighting insurgents on the Yahoo board to gracing the pages of Vogue. My guest, Nicholas Carlson, has written the first in-depth look at Meyer and her rise from nerdy girl at science camp to the CEO of a $30 billion company by the age of 38. Nicholas Carlson is chief correspondent for Business Insider, and his new book is Marissa Meyer and the Fight to Save Yahoo. Nick Carlson, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. Why has Yahoo, first of all, been such a difficult company to lead? One of the things that... uh, you certainly talk about early on is how many CEOs this company has gone through, not only the changes that immediately preceded Meyer, but a long history of going through CEOs and an identity crisis for the company. Absolutely. So, I mean, when I think about, the, about Yahoo and why it's such a hard company to run, I think about, um, I think about this, uh, this fact that in the very beginning, Yahoo was the Internet. It solved the problem. It, it, people needed a user-friendly way to get on the Internet. They kept hearing about it. This is the late 90s we're talking about kept hearing about the internet, what is this thing? Uh, Netscape linked to a thing called Yahoo.com, and it was friendly, and it was all, it all worked, and people would use it. Uh, you could spend all day on Yahoo. Uh, and then over the years, uh, Yahoo developed 100, 200, and then 300 products that were everything from calendars to email. And what happened was, is it was a mile wide and an inch deep. And eventually, what companies like Google or eBay came along and attacked just one piece of it, just they just took on one product, and they solved that problem. And uh, Yahoo was not able to keep up and compete with those companies. It's a big picture. And yet, even through all of this, Yahoo, as it matured as a company, even as it was, as you say, a mile wide and an inch deep, had a pretty steady revenue stream and existed as a kind of mature company after a while. Yeah, one thing people forget, and this was fun to, to report, and I hadn't learned about it before I started working on my book, was that uh, for a very short sliver of time, Yahoo was right there with Google in terms of uh, beating it in search market share. Actually, for, uh, for a minute or two, uh, uh, Yahoo was in the lead in that market. And, and what happened was, this, there's a chapter in my book about this, they had this thing called Project Godfather, where you'll remember at the end of, um, you'll remember at the end of the movie Godfather, where they take out all the enemies in one, in one montage. Well, Yahoo's M&A team went out and uh, acquired all the various, uh, you know, uh, a series of leaders in the search space so that it could compete directly with Google. And so, yes, the company was competitive for quite some time. And when Marissa Meyer came along, it was another period of identity crisis for the company. They had a failed CEO who they had to fire because of problems with his resume. And Ross Levinson, who was the interim CEO that you write about, had one particular vision for the company, but the board wasn't buying it. That's right. You just talk about uh, Scott Thompson there for a moment, and one of my favorite uh, things to, to put together for the book was this scene where, so Scott Thompson was a very unpopular executive inside of Yahoo as well as outside of Yahoo, and there's just this one product review meeting where all the uh, executives are gathered, 
and they're kind of going through this long process. And all of a sudden, one by one, um, it's like light bulbs going off in the room. They're all checking their BlackBerry to see what's going on. Um, and it turns out that that's when Kara Swisher, the great reporter on Yahoo, uh, had reported that, uh, that uh, an investor was alleging that Thompson had misled everyone about his uh, college degree. They didn't actually have a computer science degree. It's just sort of, you're in the room, and, and it's the scene where, where Yahoo is just like, once again, losing its CEO. And then they went through Ross Levinson, and some people on the board thought, you know, that he would be a great CEO, but um, others ultimately pushed for Meyer because they thought that she could turn Yahoo into a company like Facebook or Google, one that billions of people used and was a high-flying growth stock again. Of course, both of those are younger, more evolving companies at this point, and it comes back to this idea of Yahoo being a mature company. Talk a little bit about the degree to which any of that was given thought by the Yahoo board or by Meyer when she came in. Right. So actually, it's interesting. I mean, you make a really good point. It's almost a 20-year-old company, and often you don't see new uh, new big products that billions of people use come out of an older company. They usually come from small companies like, you know, Facebook out of Harvard or Google out of Stanford or even Snapchat out of Stanford. It's these little startups that are funded by venture capitalists that tend to become the big high flyers again. You're right. Uh, I guess what happened was is that uh, the Yahoo directors who hired Meyer, you know, there's a scene in this book where they're meeting with Mark Andreessen, and they sort of, uh, and Andreessen, the, the, the renowned venture capitalist, and what he did was he convinced them that technology companies, what they do is they their product is innovation, and that if they were able to go out and hire an innovator, that innovator would be able to uh, produce innovation and kind of get it growing again. And it's, uh, it's been, obviously, it's been challenging. Talk a little bit about the difference between what Meyer wanted to do when she was brought in versus what Ross Levinson, who had been the interim CEO, wanted to do. That's right. So Meyer, Ross Levinson, uh, along with many Yahoo observers and several members of the Yahoo board, wanted to um, really shrink the size of the company, get rid of thousands of employees. And, um, and he wanted to take things like Yahoo Search or some of Yahoo's behind-the-scenes ad technologies. And instead of investing in that um, any longer, just outsource that to companies like Google or this one company in New York called AppNexus and say, you know what, they're doing it better, we're going to do what we do best, and we're going to have fewer people doing it, and we're going to you know, derive profits that way, not necessarily revenue growth. Uh, when they hired Meyer, what they were hoping was that she would be able to likewise cut you know, thousands of employees, something she hasn't done, and it's a bonus, it's sort of a conflict in the book. Um, but they hope she would do that and then also be able to hire a large mobile staff to create um, apps that people use and, and create, instead of optimizing what Yahoo currently has, create a new thing that Yahoo hasn't had yet. How is what Ross Levinson was trying to do different than what even Terry Semmel had tried to do with the company at one point? Right. Well, Terry Semmel was, uh, he came to Yahoo at a time when it still had, you know, you know, hundreds of products, and uh, Semmel just Semmel was a, a, you know an effective leader in Hollywood. He was a, a star executive there, and he's a brilliant guy. Actually, that's something I learned uh, reporting this book. You, you you hear these Yahoo CEOs treated as sort of cartoon characters, and like just oh, we're all big idiots because the company didn't do well. But actually, Terry Semmel was brilliant. But one of his challenges was that he was not very technically savvy, so he didn't really have a sense of what Yahoo's best products were and when it was sort of straying into like bad behavior with. Um, the way it was showing ads, too many ads and things like that. So, so at the end of the day, though, he had a hard time making calls on what was 
you know, really worth buying and throwing the money after. So he had a chance to buy YouTube um, and and walked away from it. And then he had a deal done with Mark. This is a this is a wild scene to report in my book, but he had a uh, deal done with Mark Zuckerberg to buy Facebook for a billion dollars. And uh, what happened was is that um, Zuckerberg hadn't wanted to sell the company. He'd only agreed to do it with his own board of directors if if, if Yahoo had reached a billion dollars. So Semmel, you know, he's sitting there waiting for Zuckerberg to come into his office because what he's going to do is Semmel is this hardball negotiator. He's going to he's going to get him to accept eight hundred and fifty million dollars. Say $150 million. Well, Zuckerberg comes in and Semmel drops the news and Zuckerberg takes it quietly, leaves, and then goes back to his office, calls Semmel right away and says, sorry, we're out, we're done. So, it, you know, that's, those kinds of missed opportunities are really what cost Semmel. And it may, it may have been because unlike Meyer, he really doesn't have this sense of uh, what makes a web company uh, great. But Meyer comes in with this sense of, of technology as an engineer, a sense of, of what she thought she wanted to do with the company, but without a whole lot of management experience. And we begin to see, as you report this story, that that lack of management experience came with a very high price. That's right. I mean, so the last third of my book really has this, 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 this narrative of Meyer was in a situation that no turnaround CEO ever gets, which is that investors were not really paying very close attention to Yahoo's core business for about two years. And that's, it's a little bit complicated, but it's because Yahoo had made an investment in 2005 in a, in a Chinese internet company called Alibaba. And by 2012, when Meyer was there, Alibaba was worth uh, many times more. And it had agreed that it would go, it had agreed with Yahoo to go public sometime around 2015, 2014, late 2014, early 2015. And uh, so investors now had a chance to invest in a Chinese company where the market is exploding and a hot Chinese internet company that was doing incredibly well. But the only way to do it was to buy Yahoo stock. So Meyer had two years where no one was really paying attention to the And she could have taken advantage of that. And I think maybe a C or seasoned CEO would have and said, like, listen, we're going to shrink this company. We're going to get rid of thousands of people. We're going to figure out that one thing we do really well. We're really going to invest on that, even if that means over the next two years we lose a lot of you know lose a lot of size, perhaps. But you know, from a smaller size, we'll be able to grow faster, and we'll really figure out who we are. And 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 then what's happened due um, to a series of mistakes, and just also Yahoo being a, a very challenging company, as we discussed, Meyer hasn't really been able to do that. Now she's dealing with angry shareholders again. Was there any early nexus that could have been developed between Alibaba and Yahoo? When you look at what Jack Ma did with, with Alibaba, I mean, it's a company not unlike Yahoo that's in 40 different businesses. Right. So you're, you're asking if, if, if Yahoo and Alibaba could have had a more op, like a closer operating relationship, right. maybe like integrate their, their products. So that probably was possible at some point. There's, there's this thing that happened, um, and it's seen in the book, where um, the Yahoo CEO, Carol Barnes, uh, went into Yahoo in, in 2009, and she was the new CEO. And, she, and, and Barnes is, this, you know, the word is brassy. You know, she's a brassy woman. And uh, she, 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 brought, she brought in Jack Ma, the chairman of Alibaba, the CEO at the time, and uh, you know, Alibaba. She had a Yahoo had a board seat on Alibaba. It was an investor in Alibaba, but it was not operating Alibaba. And um, and, and at that time, Alibaba was also operating something called Yahoo China. And uh, Alibaba comes in being a wild success, like a very good investment already by 2009 for Yahoo. But uh, Bart, in, in front of all of Ma's um, executive staff. 
him a tongue lashing that just you would not believe, um, as she was known to do sometimes. And, you know, it, it was deeply embarrassing for Jack Ma, who's actually his wife is one of the executive staff. And, and it was just a, it was just one of these moments where the, the, the relationship between the companies just iced over right there. And from then on, uh, until really until uh, Scott Thompson uh, decided he needed to re- renew relationships with Alibaba uh, many years later, it was a call, you know, just it was. It was over. There was no real cooperation. In fact, Alibaba was more of an enemy of Yahoo's than, a, than an ally. Talk a little bit about what Meyer's first operations were when she came into the company. It seemed that she really focused, as, as you write about it, primarily on the culture of the company. Absolutely. So, I mean, Yahoo, you know, if anybody in the, in the Bay Area has any friends who worked at the company, no, it sort of was a demoral, a demoralized place of work for many years because you had these situations where the CEO Scott Thompson got fired, you know, a few months in. Uh, before that, Carol Bartz had gotten fired. There was this whiffed deal where Microsoft was going to buy Yahoo and, and many employees would have made money and they didn't and somehow the deal didn't happen. So it was very more like a place. She, she gets in there and before she arrives, people were leaving Thursday afternoon and then, you know, quote, working from home on Friday and then showing up late on Monday, just sort of dragging in. Um, by the time, you know, Six months in, uh, she has got the place really cooking, and people are at the office, you know, through Friday evening. You know, she did this in a number of ways. One was uh, she she did you know easy goodies like she gave away free iPhones when everyone had been using Blackberries. She gave out new computers. She gave out free food. Um, and there's scenes in this book where she's announcing these things, and just the, the Yahoo like erupts into applause. But you know, on a, on a different level. What Meyer did was really bring a sense of transparency and uh, to Yahoo that I hadn't seen in years. She, she instituted something called FYIs, which are weekly meetings where, really to her credit, she gets up on a stage in front of thousands of Yahoo employees and answers their questions. And she does she answers some seriously hard questions. Are there going to be layoffs? Are you restructuring this? What, you know, are you you know, the employees were upset about something uh, the way that they had been reviewed over the prior year, and one of the employees said like. Are you, impl- you know, reviewing your executives as harshly as you're reviewing us? You know, like really hard putting it to a question. And her transparency got the place uh, revitalized for sure. And certainly over her first year, there was like a, 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 an increase in momentum. On the other side of the coin, she didn't delegate a whole lot. She micromanaged. She was always <clears throat> late for meetings. And there were some real management problems. That's right. Of all those issues... I'd say that uh, Meyer's biggest issue, the one that cost her the most over her first couple of years, was her, her difficulty hiring the right people all the time. And, and there's this one trait where, so in my, in my book, there's a scene where uh, she, Katie Couric approaches her and says, you know, I want to do big things with Yahoo. There's a scene where the, the, the CMO of Yahoo just sort of comes into the room and closes the door behind her and says, you need to hire me. She, you know, before she was even the CMO. Um, and then, and then, worst of all, there was this Google executive. Meyer gets the job, and this Google executive, Enrique De Castro, who is, uh, you know, looking to leave Google. He he had a situation there that he wanted to get out of, and he went to Meyer and he said, um, you know, I'm your guy. You need to hire me to be the COO of Yahoo. And, and he really put this pitch onto her, and um, and and in the end, she she signed an agreement with him that would uh, cost. $60 million at first, and then ultimately, uh, when DeCastro didn't work out after just more than a year, ultimately cost the company about $110 million. Except it was that it, 
as you tell that story of of that bad hire, though, there were people on the board that were one appalled by the deal, that wanted to mm. do a better job of vetting De Castro, and she said no. Yep. Yes, she did say no. She was very aggressive. She said she said that Enrique De Castro, yes, this is an expensive hire, but he's going to more than pay for it with the the way he's able to drive revenues. And he was unable to, obviously. And then the other big piece was that they wanted to vet him. They wanted to go out and call uh, people who worked with him at Google. And uh, Meyer, you know, DeCastro had convinced Meyer of this, and Meyer convinced the board, which is that that would be, you know, career career suicide for him, and it would really, really put him in a bad position. Uh, and so, you know, in case things didn't work out. And uh, so they, they passed on vetting him, and which was a really big mistake because, um, you know, uh, actually, you know, I've been covering Yahoo for years, and when I when I when when word broke of Enrique De Castro going to to Yahoo, I did a little bit of betting as a reporter covering Yahoo. I called several Google sources of mine, and you know, it's just rare that you get such a unanimous a unanimous opinion about someone. And it just was it wasn't that he, he's a very uh, he's a very sophisticated, very bright person, and, and and would be great for many roles. But like as a lead salesperson, which is the job that Meyer hired him to. People thought that he just didn't have that kind of charisma and that kind of um, kind of you know, empathy, that ability to connect with people that, that that job requires. Talk about this disconnect between her repeatedly hiring the wrong people, as you talk about, and yet in the micromanaging aspect of it, wanting to approve every single hire in the company. Yes, it is really interesting. Um, <laughs> she, she, you know, Meyer is the CEO. You know, Meyer is the CEO who, um, who, you know, she on her first day in the job, she goes into the office, and this was, a, a, <laughs> this is one of my favorite things in the book. So the first day of the job, she doesn't know where to park. She goes in, she gets a security badge, she goes up to her office, cupcakes everywhere because she's famous for loving cupcakes. Uh, and but then she asks her the uh, uh, person she thought was the IT guy. It actually turned out to be interim general counsel Ron Bell. But anyway, she asked him to set up her computer so that she could code, so that she could tap into the Yahoo code base. Well, that is that is a different kind of CEO than than you normally get at a company that's worth thirty billion dollars and has fifteen thousand employees. You know, Meyer t- approached Yahoo uh, in a in a bottom up fashion uh, versus you know the typical. Uh, suited C-suite uh, corner office executive who, who maybe drafts the strategy and then deploys it through his lieutenant or her lieutenant. Uh, Meyer went bottom-up. She got into meetings with product executives and designers, not product executives, excuse me, product developers and designers. She's literally in the meetings where they're redoing Yahoo Mail, grilling the product manager for Yahoo Mail on how he does his surveys of user data. And, of course, in... One of the things you you tell the story about these last minute changes that that she would bring to things that the Yahoo Mail mobile story where she wants to change the color at the eleventh hour. Right, exactly. It's funny, you know. This is one of those where it's like um, there's two sides of this coin. One is that yes, that's a real pain, and probably for all the people on the Yahoo Mail team, it was like oh god. And, you know, I described it in the book. They they slumped out of the room with, you know, just <laughs> just upset that this was happening. On the other hand, some people who looked at that situation and said, like, wow, this is a person who, unlike CEOs of the years past, really knows what she wants. She's like Steve Jobs in that way. She's like Mark Zuckerberg or Larry Page. She's got very high standards, and we're going to bust it to make sure that uh, they're met. And, and so some people say, you know, some people look at that and say, oh, what a horrible attribute. But other people say, that's what Steve Jobs would do. So it's, it's you know, it's kind of one of those both sides of the coin. 
Of course, the the thing that runs through that is that when you look at at Jobs or or Larry Page or Zuckerberg, that they are founders, and she was brought in as a CEO of a mature company. Very different things. It's a very different thing. In many ways, when I was reporting this book, you know, talking to you know to, to figuring out why the people who hired her decided to hire her. There was this phrase that kept popping in my head, which is, you know, she's almost like a transplanted founder of Yahoo. Uh, people like Larry Page and Mark Zuckerberg, because they are, and they own so much of the company, they literally own it. They're more like owners than they are uh, CEOs or executives. They, they actually could just decide to do something, and there's not enough shareholders out there to tell them no. Um, and, and Meyer, like you said, went into a situation where that, that's not what she is. She is a hired hand, and she uh, is now... The, learning what that's like. So she, she would love to take, so we talked a little bit about Alibaba, and so Alibaba had its IPO this year, and what they did for Yahoo is they put billions of dollars in Yahoo's bank account, and what Meyer would love to do is to take those billions of dollars and invest it in her strategy. But what Yahoo's shareholders are telling her is, no, uh, no, we'd like you to just find a way to give us that money. We're the owners of Yahoo, and really we get to do with that money what we want, not you getting to do what you want. What has she learned in in a couple of years that she's been there? How is she more mature, or is she more mature as an executive today than she was when she walked in that first day? Yes, absolutely. She definitely she definitely has learned a lot. And 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 one of the things that was I think surprising for her was this relationship with shareholders. I think that she went in there and um, sort of her model was Larry Page and, and maybe Mark Zuckerberg and, and sort of. Uh, you know, it's a lot of people's models when they look at what tech company CEOs are doing. But in in, in reporting, uh, as, you know, in, in recent days, and, and actually the, the the last chapter of my book is uh, the last prologue is about how, following this two year period, Meyer was dealing with angry shareholders again. They got together and they walked. They're demanding that she do certain things. Um, and it's in the chat, the books, the, excuse me, the epilogue is about these shareholders getting together and, and, and bringing the fight back to Meyer. And what, what I've learned is that she's not, uh, oftentimes CEOs in that situation will be like an ostrich, just stick their head in the sand and try to pretend nothing's happening. What I've learned is that Meyer is not being like an ostrich. She, she, she's, she's fully aware of what's going on and is, um, is coming to these people uh, not, you know, aware that she needs to make sure they're happy so that she um, can, can really do what she wants to do at Yahoo. To what extent does she know what she doesn't know? You know, you talk about these founders. I mean, Larry Page early on had Eric Schmidt. Zuckerberg has Sheryl Sandberg. Uh, I mean, I get the sense that Meyer thought that uh, DeCastro might be that for her. But to what extent does she realize what she needs in terms of support? I think you're really getting to something there, which is just how bad of a, a, a disastrous the hire of DeCastro was. Um, you know, it's true that uh, Page, Page, people forget this, but Page was essentially demoted from CEO of Google, and then they hired, went out and hired uh, Eric Schmidt. It, it was for good reason. Uh, Page was um, disagreeable and had weird ideas for how to run a company, and they had this booming thing, and they needed someone who could kind of, like, control it a little bit. Uh, Zuckerberg went through three or four presidents and COOs before he hired Sheryl Sandberg, and they went through this, you know, very rigorous hiring process. There's a famous story about how, like, at a holiday party, he was just grilling her in, the, in her in her basement for hours. Um, and Meyer kind of quickly hired Castro, and she needed I mean, that's a, it's a big mistake. She needed someone who could be really um, someone that she leaned on. And uh, it's true that if there is one issue with Meyer, that she doesn't she doesn't seek counsel as much and really um, and, and get out and get 
get other people's opinions as much as, as, as much as she probably should. And what impact do you see that having as this battle plays out with the, these dissident board members right now? Well, there are no dissident board members. Ashley Meyer is a very supportive board, but she does have dissident shareholders. And I think that she's going to, she's, you know, I've actually, I've actually done a, a little bit of reporting since the book's come out and learned that um, she is seeking advice from, from, uh, from the, the group that was formerly one that hired her, but is actually no longer on the board. Um, and, and, and she, she's just, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult when you are sort of alone in that way. You need to have your allies who can help you out. I mean, she trusts Ken Goldman, who's the CFO there. And I've heard, I've understood that, uh, Goldman has, um, been, uh, someone in her ear saying that, listen, these are the shareholders of God. You need to make sure they're happy. So, so it's, it's, it's tough. That is a tough problem for her, no doubt. To what extent has she been able to use or learn to use her star power to her business advantage? She is um, excellent at that. That's one of that's one of the things that she's been good at for quite some time. Um, you know, one fun thing to figure out when I was reporting the book is just the rise of Marissa Meyer because I, I, you know, I've been covering this industry for a while now, and it just sort of seemed like out of the blue, wham! Here came this uh, star Google executive that no one had. Um, it just, you know, you knew about Larry Page and Sergey Brin, but then all of a sudden she was as big as them, it's not bigger in many ways. Um, and, and she has really, it certainly helped her get the job at, at Yahoo, for sure. Um, but also, uh, she's really been able to lever that to um, get Yahoo recruiting going again. They, they, they were having a hard time hiring people before she arrived. And um, there's, a, there's a scene where in the book she's, she's She's bragging to all of Yahoo, hey, look, our, um, we're getting 10,000 applicants a week again. And it just keeps going up, up and up. So she certainly is a, a person that's like a, a, shining, a shining beacon to lots of people who want to go work for her because of that star power. What is your sense of how all this is going to play out? Well, you know, making predictions about the future is always tricky, but if here's, here's the one I would go for if I was, if I was going to have to do it, which is that I think... Um, so we talked about uh, we talked about how Yahoo has this, these Asian assets. It owns half of Yahoo Japan, and it owns a big stake in, in Alibaba, the booming Chinese internet company. And right now, shareholders want Meyer to you know quote monetize that for them. They want uh, they want her to take that those winnings from those great investments and give them to shareholders back in some sort of tax efficient manner. And one one way they could do that, uh, what I've heard floated, is that actually Yahoo could split the two companies. You'd have uh, a larger, a much larger company with a much larger market cap, which would actually be a holding company for those Asian assets. So just hold um, the Alibaba and Yahoo Japan. And then you'd have a smaller company that's the Yahoo core business that Martha Meyer currently runs. And that would be maybe instead of what, you know, Yahoo's currently a $50 billion company, then Meyer would be running something like a $5 billion to $10 billion company. Um, I think that that is a plausible outcome, and, and I think it, it not only is plausible, I think it would be a smart outcome for Meyer to pursue because she could, it is a part of this uh, spin uh, off. She would be able to, you know, take a few of those billions of dollars from Alibaba, have no debt, have a company that's smaller and be able to grow from a smaller base, and she would be able to keep her uh, board of directors that really, really trust her and, and, and like her a lot, a bit, uh, quite a bit. And she'd also be able to say to shareholders, She'll be, she'll be able to set expectations for shareholders and say, listen, this is a long-term project. Um, we're a small company again, and, and our goal is to become Facebook or Google. That's the kind of company this is. If you don't want to invest, then get out of here. Go invest in something else. No one's making you buy Yahoo. 
Is there an ego problem with that with respect to taking over a $30 billion company and turning it into a $5 billion company, essentially? <laughs> you know, that's that's what you hear. That's that's what you hear. You hear, you know, in doing reporting for this book, you hear that that's the, she didn't want to go in and run a, a, run a $5 billion company. Um, it's sort of hard for me to understand as an analyst or sitting on the sidelines because, you know, I'm sitting here wondering, you know, it's not like her compensation would change. It's not like the Yahoo brand name would change. Um, and the, the one financial advantage of having a much larger market cap is that you can use some of your stock to buy companies, and that, so it makes acquisitions easier. So maybe Myers sitting there thinking, um, I don't want to run a small Yahoo and build it from the inside out. The way to build, you know, build a fast-growing company again is to go out and buy a cable network for $15 billion and, and bolt it onto this thing. Uh, so maybe that's what she thinks she needs to do. Um, you certainly hear that for you know around, and um, I just think that that's a big messy mistake, and she'd be better off running a, a, a really slim down Yahoo and, ma- and making more strategic acquisitions if she needs to. Nicholas Carlson, his book is Marissa Meyer and the Fight to Save Yahoo. It's just out from 12. Nicholas, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. Nicholas, thank you so much. Well, that was great. Thank you. Great questions. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You take care. Thanks, sir. Bye.